Awesome. Yeah, bro. So um, you said that um, you you go to school right now. Yep. So I'm going to school full time, and I'm also working full time. So I go to GW right here in Washington D.C., and then I also work in real estate in D.C., Maryland, Virginia. What do you study? I'm studying international business and real estate. I don't know how useful it's gonna be, but I'm kind of just doing it for the sake of my parents. Yeah. So. Um... Yeah, man, I don't know. I kind of, in a way, I kind of <coughs> dealt with the same thing. <coughs> One sec, Mike. You good? Drink some of that water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Show them, show them what's on the... Let them know. Come on. Uh, they got their own water, too. Yeah. Nice for them. But that's interesting, bro, because, like, I kind of felt the same thing in a way that, like, I, I don't I don't really plan on using my degree. I graduated yeah. with economics and public science degree, but, like... I went to school for the sake of my parents yeah. and like my younger siblings and that just kind of like kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah immigrant traditional route yeah you kind of get exactly kind of have to do especially exactly. if they like left back home come here for you to go to school it's like okay let me finish it up yeah. for their sake yeah. that's good that you you are doing it for their sake though there's some people that are like fuck it I'm not gonna go to school yeah. or like you know what I'm saying because uh, keep it real you really don't need to go to school where you are right now in life right you would say that definitely not in school yeah. yeah. But um, let's introduce our guests. What's going on, y'all? My name is Mohammed Sharif. Welcome back to Ghost Talk. Today, I got an amazing, amazing uh, young man, Omar Rashid, um, from Washington, D.C., DMV area. Um, he's with the One Street Company. Um, and before we get started, we're going to address something real quick. As you can see, our be beautiful bearded man is not here right now. It's just me, Thunder, and Omar. Uh, Hamza is not going to be... Um, hear this episode, uh, but you know, he's out doing his thing, mashallah, and we're supporting him. He's in Saudi right now studying the deen, and he took a big step in his life, in his iman, and you know, we support him 110%. Um, but don't worry, y'all gonna be seeing a lot more of him, I promise, inshallah. Um, but yeah, bro, he's he's out there doing his thing, and we're out here trying to keep more keep more episodes coming for y'all, so keep, keep, it go, keep, keep rolling, keep it going, so you know, we gotta keep grinding, but it's it's... It's nice, bro, and big shout out to him. All right, just let's get back to let's get back to you, man. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about your upbringing. Let's just get let's jump right into it. Um, yeah. You said you're you was born in Ethiopia. Yeah, yeah. And so grew up there. So actually, um, spent most of my life in Ethiopia. So you know, born in Ethiopia, raised in Ethiopia. Actually, moved here about five years ago. So I moved to the United States my sophomore year of high school. Whoa. Yeah, so I'm like fresh off the boat, man. I just I just got here. Um, so I moved here from Ethiopia with my dad to Baltimore County, Maryland, um, was going to school there, Pikesville High, you know, just planning on taking that traditional route of, you know, everyone's like, you know, doctor or engineer, it's one of the three. Mm -hmm. So I was going the doctor route. So it was just, you know, going to school, um, try to get to a good college, go whole pre-med route, go to med school, be a doctor, you know, the whole, yeah, the whole, the whole nine yards, the whole nine yards. So I was doing that for a while. That's, that was the plan. Um, I moved to D.C. when I got accepted to George Washington University. So I was going to school there for pre-med. Um, so I was, I've been there for what, three years now. So I got there freshman year, thought I was going to do pre-med, was in my bio classes, all that. But that's kind of like a little bit of the transition. Yeah. Didn't really end up going so you there. came, you said you came five years ago. Five years ago. So what was that, 2000? 2017? Oh, yeah, about 20, end of 2016, 2017. Yeah. 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 So what was it like growing up in, in Ethiopia? You grew up in Addis? I grew up in Addis, yeah. yeah. I mean, completely different world, completely different lifestyle. 
uh, you know, third world country, but at the same time, like you probably, I think you've been out there. Yeah, yeah so. I was born. I was born in. So they yeah, were kind of connected exactly, with that when yeah. we first when we were first talking earlier That's in crazy, the car. Yeah. That I was I was also born Probably. in Addis Ababa, yeah. and I kind of grew up there. But I came much much younger. Yeah. Um. So I remember like bits and pieces of it. I remember of parts yeah. of it. Bole. Yeah, again, Bole. Yep, yep, yep. So I mean, it's it's a beautiful country. Oh, yeah. Ethiopia is a beautiful country. Absolutely. Very rich in culture. Very rich Absolutely. in like. And there's just so much going on. There's a lot of Muslims there. There's a lot of Christians. There. Yeah, it's really diverse, um, man. It's very diverse. Um, but yeah, so you said you grew up there and the, it was kind of different and that dynamic was different. Yeah, I mean, completely different world, completely different lifestyle. But at the same time, you know, there everyone looks like you, everyone sounds mm-hmm. like you. It's a new community. Um, yeah, just different worlds, schooling-wise, everything-wise. But yeah, I mean, it was a complete culture shock moving to the United States, coming to... Let's go to Pikesville High, which is like a, a Jewish Pikesville High School. Oh, wow. Um, so completely just different world, different cultures, different religions. Like I, I, you know, just didn't see much of that at home. So it's just learning to adjust, you know, come to a new country, back to school, back to, you know, just the whole shabam. Wow. That is interesting, bro. Yeah. And like, what was that? What was that transition like? So you came here, you started high school, um, you and I, your sophomore year. So like, was what was the transition like when you were coming here? Yeah, I mean, uh, man, I was it's like the quietest, shyest kid you'll ever meet. I would never do this podcast with yeah. you if this was like you know five, four years ago. Um, so yeah, just quiet kid, man, just trying to figure myself out. Stuck to my books, kept my head down, didn't really talk to many people, didn't really do much. Um, it wasn't until you know, I started getting a little bit more adjusted my you know junior year, senior year when I really started to go out and do some stuff. Um, I had some great teachers and my slap Mr. Bricio so uh yeah really take you in make you feel comfortable uh that's when I kind of like started expanding more started doing more extracurricular activities getting more involved in the community um and I think my senior year is probably when I like spread my wings started yeah. doing stuff I was passionate about I was huge on education and I'm still huge on education I just kind of have a different idea or aspect of what I think is important in education and what I think you need um so I was huge on education because again my dad always instilled in me that yeah. education is the way to kind of make it out. Yo, East, East African East parents. African yeah. parent, that's how it is. So um, I ran for like this position on the Baltimore County Board of Education um, where I kind of represented all the students of Baltimore County. So over like 115,000 students. Wow. Um, yeah, so it was like an elected official position. I won that. So I was a huge advocate on the board, you know, policy, curriculum, all that. Uh, did that for a while, um, and then kind of just went to GW right after that when I graduated. That's interesting. So then that makes me wonder. Um, you went to you had a, an unorthodox kind of method of like growing up, and yeah. you came here really young. Um, much I would say like a little bit older than a lot of immigrant yeah. kids. Yeah. I came here when I was like six years old, mm-hmm. so like it was easy for me to adjust, right? Um, and then you took this these really huge steps in your life really fast. Yeah. Um, and then you were on the board of education as well. So. How much does education mean to you, right? And then also, um, like, while you were being educated, were were alternate routes, like being a real estate agent and, like, selling homes and doing these, were those things given to you? Were those things told to you? Or was it things that you had to go and look for? Yeah, absolutely not. It was not given (laughs) to go out and get it. What does education, I mean, again, huge advocate on education. I think education is the number one thing to Mm -hmm. anything you want to do in life, right? Um, I just kind of have a different perspective as to what kind of education is needed. I think, you know, we need, at least in high school, one thing I pushed for and advocated for is um, educating us for life and not just, like, for college or for whatever. It's just because, again, 
you know, no one knows what credit score is when you're getting out of high school. Yeah. No one knows how to pay a rent, you know, how to write a check, just basic life skills that you need to, you know, educate yourself on. It's not taught. A lot of like financial literacy, you know, how to manage money, how to do this, just like how to buy a house, just like basic stuff that we really need to know. That's not really being taught. So my education piece of it, again, I still think, you know, obviously school is really important mm -hmm. and especially depending on what you want to do. Again, obviously if you want to be an engineer, a lawyer, you have to go to school, you have to go to college, all that. Yeah. But I think, again, there's definitely all the alternative routes, you know, real estate, so social media marketing, whatever, like, there's so many different things, mm -hmm. entrepreneurs, um, you know, e-commerce, this, that. There's so many different guys and people that have gone out of that traditional route and are doing extremely well for themselves. And I think that's definitely a route to take. It's just we don't promote it enough yeah. or it's not really seen as like the safe route, which, again, mm -hmm. it's not. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of risk. But... My uh, my definition on what I think is important education has shifted around for sure. Yeah, that's no, interesting. Well, because like, like, and I think that our parents' generation have like a very narrow uh, idea of like what education is yeah. and what a career path is. But that's that makes sense for them, and that's fair for yeah. them because it works. That's you what know? they know. That's what they. Because again, back in the day, and I completely exactly. agree. If you were you know in the nineteen nineties or whatever it is, two thousands. Having a college education puts you so much higher mm -hmm. than the average person that you could go get a job that made sense for X amount, Y amount. Now, having a college education, you know, people are graduating. I have a friend right now who went to GW with me. Um, GW costs $8,000 a year. He's, wow. I think, he told me he's $210,000 in debt for undergrad. Undergrad. He's wow. doing like poli sci or something like that, like uh, international affairs. You can, like you can do the basic math. You go on, you know, Glassdoor, any other site, and mm -hmm. search up, you know, average salary for, you know, political, whatever his job is, international affairs major person. Let's say it's seventy, eighty k. Yeah, you're two hundred ten thousand dollars in debt, in undergrad. Like it just, it doesn't compare. Sometimes it just doesn't make sense. Back mm -hmm. in the day, having a college education put you in a spot where you can go get a high paying job. You're above everyone else. It made sense. You had to get a college education back then. Now you really don't. Yeah, there's a lot of alternatives. Really there's yeah. a lot of other things that you can that you can do, and that's really dope. I like that a lot. Um, I have these conversations with my younger brother all the time because he's like eight, 17, 18 right yeah. now, and he's thinking about it. And I'm, it, it's changed a lot. It's just in yeah. that four years that I've been in college because I feel like when I graduated high school, I was kind of it was like on the fence. It's yeah. like people were really on that vibe of like, oh yeah, I mean, you could not go to college, yeah. but. You probably should go to college, yeah. especially yeah. if you're a black man in America. Yep. That was the biggest thing too. Yeah. Like, oh, you're a black man in America. You, you have gotta, to be educated. You, you gotta, gotta be educated. Yep. You gotta go get this. You gotta go get that. And of course, still be educated, but doesn't have to be a college education. Yeah, there's, exactly. And there's all these alternatives, and I think that's just that's just really dope. And um, so I think so. If I can just back up a little yeah. bit, where we met and how yeah. we met, right? Um, you came to the growth conference, yeah, um, in Minneapolis, and you flew out, and you were like networking with people and getting Absolutely. to know all these different people. Um, and you spoke as well, and you were one of the speakers. We're going to get into that as well. Yeah. Um, but what compelled you to just kind of reach out and then come out to Minneapolis and be a part of the growth conference? Yeah, so it's very random. Um, so me and Sal, mm -hmm. um, everyone knows Sal. Me and Sal have been following each other on Instagram and TikTok for quite some time. Yeah. I think we both kind of started our social media journey around the same period. We, bo I kinda, we both kind of saw each other's come up a little bit. Um, he'd always comment on my post, I'd always comment on his. And we DM'd a few times back and forth, like, I see what you're doing, keep hustling type of thing. And we just always stay connected, I always saw his videos, always motivational, he always saw mine. 
and he posted about the growth conference yeah. and I literally just commented as a joke um, I'm gonna be there mm-hmm. and then he DM me right away. he's like yo like seriously that you should come through um, I want you to be a speaker and talk about you know social media real estate all that stuff and I was like yeah absolutely why not he just told me about it I was like I'd love to meet them been watching it for quite some time but you know how like you meet someone on social media you feel like you already know that person yeah. so that's how sal was me and sal and even when i got to minnesota i got there probably around like 8 p.m that night 10 p.m ago let's go grab food mm-hmm. he picked me up we grabbed food at one of his boy spots uh and it felt like we knew each other for like years so yeah. it was very random that's how i ended up just coming out but yeah social media off of tiktok yeah, sal's good people's man shout out to him shout out to top figure asia um the growth conference you know they're going to be having a huge conference next year inshallah so absolutely you guys make sure to go out and check them out and follow them and, and yeah. stay in tune with what yeah. they're doing um was that your first time in minneapolis first time in minneapolis yeah what was that like it was interesting man i mean i liked it i liked the community and yeah. the people that i met i mean i met some amazing people Asia, Sal, topic i mean i met some amazing people but the city's kind of dead bro Oh no! <laughs> Ain't no way he said that. So he's kind of dead. It, well, Missy, who, who is you with? First of all, you know the growth conference was in Saint Paul. Okay. I love no hate to Saint Paul, yeah. but Saint Paul is like a residential area. Okay. It's not like okay. I was thinking have, Saint Paul too, so maybe that Saint Paul be, yeah, has but, amazing food. Yeah. They have like, but like you, you're trying to like have yeah, a good yeah, time. Yeah. See, see, Saint Paul is not the spot. Yeah. But Minneapolis, in my well, lie, genuinely, yeah. I know I'm not saying this because yeah. I grew up in Minneapolis. Yeah. Is one of the greatest cities in the world. Really, and I die on that. Hill. Why do you say that? Why, why? Minneapolis has Minneapolis has everything that a big city would have mm-hmm. and has. I'm talking about sports teams, even though they're, you know, yeah, what I'm saying a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Sports teams. Um, they have venues. They have good foods, good eats, good sites. Mm-hmm. Um, like in terms of work and like opportunities, yeah. when education, yeah. everything it has, but it's it's not. Like, we don't have millions and millions and millions of people living in our city. It's not like... It's getting there now because it's yeah. growing, obviously. But it, especially when I was growing up, it's not congested. Yeah. The biggest thing that it also has is culture. It has huge, huge, huge Somali culture, which, like, obviously... Yeah, comes yeah, yeah. I love that shit. Course, That's yeah. my shit. Um, but it has amazing Mexican culture. It has Hmong. A lot of, there's a lot of Hmong people that live in, in Minneapolis and, and St. Paul as well. It's like a... Bro, it's like a melting pot. And I'm not going to lie to you. The white folks in Minneapolis are cool. There's some <laughs> yeah. cool ass white folks yeah. in Minneapolis. But yeah. next time you come, we're gonna have to. Sh- yeah, we're gonna maybe, have to show maybe, you maybe I was the wrong people yeah, and maybe. I was in the wrong side of it. Yeah, yeah. but Minneapolis, cool. Minneapolis is nice, bro. Minneapolis is, is vibes. Um, what's it like living in, in DC? Do you guys get does like the city shut down because of what the White House is doing or what the president's doing? Does that happen? I mean, you'll have a lot of like road closures like every day. Like mm-hmm. I'm on my way to work and there's like six road closures. I'm like, Cause he's driving through there. Cause he's driving through. That is an inconvenience. Well, I. It really is. Sometimes you're like, bro, I don't, I don't care, bro. I just move out my way. Yeah, like, sleepy uh, Joe, man. Yeah, sleepy <laughs> Joe. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I mean, it, living in the city is nice. I mean, you're in downtown, capital of the United States. I mean, it's a great spot to be in. We have some of the biggest company industries, yeah. politicians out here. So the food is. Great. I hear y'all got some good food. We have some really good food. DC, out of nowhere, this past like I would say at least like the past five years has just turned into this huge like food destination. Mm-hmm. Like every Saturday, Sunday, everyone's going to brunch, lunch, yeah. dinner. Like it's um, we're pretty known. There's some really good food spots. We'll grab breakfast after this, check out a couple Absolutely. spots. But Absolutely. um yeah, no, I mean DC is DC is a nice place to be in. And again, you're 
surrounded by Maryland and Virginia. Yeah. So like I was telling you, it's like one minute you're in DC, the next I, minute you're in Virginia. Exactly. I had no Maryland. idea. Half the time we was here, we had no idea where we were. Yeah. Somebody called me like, yo, where y'all at? I'm like, man, I might be in another state. DC, Maryland, Virginia. I might be in Baltimore. Yeah. I might be in DC. I have no clue. Yeah. I'm just driving. Um, but no, nah, that's dope. Another thing that I always think about when people live in like very well-known, because Minneapolis is like, nobody really knows yeah. Minneapolis. Like, we go overseas or we go other places we say Good Minneapolis. Way. It's either, now it's a little bit more because of the, the yeah. protests yeah. and what happened with yeah. George Floyd and all that. But before it was Mall of America. It was like, oh, you guys got the Mall of America. Mall of America. That's about it. But See, I didn't even go to Mall of America. Like, yeah. Don't worry. Next time you come, we're going to get yeah, you right. We're going to sure. get you right. Sure. Um, but it, is it weird seeing like, all these streets that you walk down every day in movies and television. Because DC is in, yeah. there's like entire shows there's dedicated a lot of shows to, in DC. Yeah, to I dedicated mean, to. You kind of just get used to it at some point. Like even like, you know, the White House or like Lincoln, like a lot of these big like mm-hmm. monuments, stuff like that, museums. You're like, oh, look, it's so cool having this around you. Like, but after, I feel like any city, after you live there yeah. for a little bit, it's like kind of just like normal. It's kind of normal. You kind of check out. Yeah, it's like, oh, whatever. And then like, Unless I'm like, you know, have someone from out of town, I never go to the White House or like stuff like that. Like, I sometimes when I'm taking people, I'm like, damn, this is so cool. Like, why didn't I come here? <laughs> why didn't I come here? Let me yeah, But, you know, when you're just kind of like living here, you kind of just don't, yeah. you take it for granted a little yeah. bit. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. But now, this is a nice place, bro. This is vibes. Sure. This office y'all got here is vibes too. Yeah. Folks can't see, but they got a lion meal over there. <laughs> yeah. It's vibes. It's vibes. So, um, if we can, if we can, jump into that too because I think it's really dope how you got here to to one street um to your little marketing you got the hat too um everything let let's talk about that how you got into first of all how did you get into real estate before we get into one street what made you go like hey I want to I want to sell homes I want to sell commercial spaces yeah so again completely random so like I said I was going to George Washington University my freshman year for pre-med I was studying Mm -hmm. bio and I was just sitting in my dorm room, and this was mid-COVID, right? So COVID just hit. No one was allowed to hang out. Very few people on campus. No classes in person. It's all online. And I was real, I was going through TikTok, actually. Mm-hmm. And I saw, like, someone talking about, like, real estate. And I was like, oh, it's so kind of cool. Like, he was showing some numbers, like, explaining a little bit. Like, this seems kind of interesting. Let me look into it a little bit. That's kind of when I, when I went to, like, a deep dive of, like, what real estate was. I had no idea, like. You know, there's obviously real estate sales, which is what yeah. I do, brokeraging, uh, brokering, and, you know, there's development, property management, commercial, resident. There's so many different aspects of real estate and so many different things you can do with the real estate, wholesaling, this, that. Um, but I didn't really know what it was. So that's when I started doing my research a little bit. Uh, and it seemed kind of interesting. I was intrigued because I, I wasn't fully committed to medicine. Like, I was just doing it just to do yeah. it because I was a norm. Um, and when I searched up, and I was like, let me look into this, I was like, you know what, best real estate firm near me, and the One Street Company uh, was the number one search result on Google. And I was like, damn, okay. And they were only 0.4 miles away from me. So George Washington University is like right down the street. Yeah. So I was like, oh, this is convenient. Let me check them out. So they're the number one real estate firm in the Washington, D.C. area for nine years in a row. So I was wow. like, okay, these guys are top dogs. Um, and I just started looking into them. I went on their website, their social media. And then I found out who the CEO and founder was, Sam Rekharishi. Mm-hmm. And I literally, I just cold emailed him. I was like, hey man, my name is Omar Rashid. I really love what you've done with One Street and I'm really interested in real estate. I'm a sophomore at GW. I'm a freshman at GW right now studying bio. I know nothing about real estate, but I have a social media experience and yeah. I would love the chance to come in, do your social media and work for you for free. Mm-hmm. All I ask in return is that you teach me about real estate. 
And surprisingly enough, this man emailed me back again, multimillionaire, biggest developer broker in DC, emailed me back an hour later. I was like, no one's emailed me like this before. Come on down, let's talk. So I was like, no way. So literally went down the very next day, 9 a.m. I was at his office waiting in the lobby. Um, he didn't come in for a while, just sitting there, sitting there. He finally came in, introduced myself. He had no idea who I was. He's like, who are you? I was like, oh, I'm that kid that emailed you. And I was like, oh, you're actually here. Um, he's like, I have, no, I have nothing to do. I have nothing planned out, but you can just come sit in my office. We can hang out, you know, can see what I do. I was like, yeah, absolutely. That sounded great to me, you know, hanging out with a multimillionaire. I was like, oh, absolutely. This is, yeah. this is great. Um, and I just sat there and I was just watching this man work. He was getting literally, I'm not even exaggerating, about 100 calls a day, 1,000 emails, replying to every single one, whether it was a rental lead for $1,000 or a $2 million you know, listing. He was treating everyone the same. He was there to help people provide real estate service, anything anyone needed real estate-wise. He was there to service them, give them a five-star service, help them. And I kind of saw why he was the way he was and the big name that he is because he was doing the work. He was helping people, but at the same time, he was making a shit ton of money, yeah. like a shit ton of money. So I was just like, I have no idea. I didn't really understand what he was doing, but like, what were you talking about? What was he talking about? Yeah, so you were just there until you were. Yeah, I was literally just there at his office from like 9 a.m. to 10 p.m., whatever he needed. But again, I learned more throughout my time at that internship and with my mentor than I have ever in my entire life. Those nine months changed my entire life. Um, again, I would have paid to be there. Mm -hmm. And I always tell this to everyone on my TikTok, on social, anywhere, anytime I meet someone that wants to get into real estate, best thing you can do, any industry you want to get into, whether you want to be a doctor, lawyer, engineer, entrepreneur, you know, marketing, real estate, whatever it is, any career, find a mentor, someone that's doing what you want to do and literally just learn from them because the best way you can fast track your success, 10X. Um, I learned so much at the time, but at the same time, you have to bring some sort of value to them because why would they just want some random kid or whoever around them or teach them again? A lot of people even charge for mentorships and sometimes it's worth it, but I was a broke college kid and have the money to pay for it. So the best next thing that you have if you don't have money is your time. So provide your time, provide value. So I provided a value by doing social media work for him, doing whatever he needed. So um, yeah, those nine months, I learned an insane amount about real estate, how it worked, the processes, and he was like, you know what, Omar? I think you should get a real estate license. I think you'd absolutely kill it. I was like, okay, got my license literally a week later. Um, two weeks later, he handed me my first client. A month after that, I had my first sale, and then it just took off from there. Uh, this was around May of 2020, uh, 2021, sorry. So May 2021, I got my license. By June, I had my first sale. And then after that, for the next about six months or so, I did about five million in sales. Um, that was around, I think around 12 families that I helped buy and sell real estate. Um, and then now we're in 2022. This is my first full year technically in real estate. And right now I think I'm about 19 million in sales. Um, hopefully we'll hit the 25 million mark by the end of the year. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of like the story of how I got started in real estate was found a mentor, interned for about nine months, and then yeah. I just took it from there. Man, well, I love that. And um, a few things, actually, about what you just said. So the first thing that I kind of learned from that is make yourself accessible. 
as a person, right? Absolutely. Put pride to the side, which is something that we touch on Punch a lot. Put pride to the side, On, on the show, it's like putting your pride aside and being Absolutely. accessible and being like, yo, I get that, you know, I might not know what you want me to yep. do yet, or I might not have money to give you, or I might not have Absolutely. anything, honestly, yep. but yep. Um, you made yourself accessible. The second thing that you did, which was amazing, was that you used your strengths to your advantage, right? Yep. You didn't know anything about real estate, but you were like, hey, I know a shit ton about social media, yep. and I can help you with that, and you brought value, right? Absolutely. And which is something that we talked about earlier, too, too is like bringing value to whatever that you're doing. Exactly. Um, and doing that and then having the work ethic to back it up that's all it is you was there for nine and nine and nine nine and ten is like you're hustling 90 percent of it is just showing up Mm -hmm. just being there Uh, and that's one thing too a lot of these older guys that are you know millionaires and whatever industry they are they have the money they have everything but for they would love the chance to get back to mentor but they want to see someone that has the hustle the drive that's actually going to do the stuff Mm -hmm. so when he saw me coming in every day for nine months straight, from 9 a.m. to whenever he left, that's it. He knew I was committed. He knew there was no joke. He hired me at his company right away. I'm not treated like every other agent. He gives, like, you know what I mean? Like, we have that connection. Yeah. We built that relationship. And it's beautiful. It's, that's it. Like, so when they see your hustle to drive, they're gonna be, everyone's willing to help. They just got to see that you're willing to do it. Because, again, the amount of people that probably reach out to him, even after I started, even after I was an agent, even to me personally, like, the amount of people that reach out to me, for mentorship or advice, and I'll tell them, okay, do this, 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 and come back to me, 99.9% of them will get back to me. Yeah. They're not gonna do that. It's all just, they like the aesthetics of it, because yeah. again, real estate sounds so fun. It's it's, it's the new hype, you know, yeah. entrepreneurship, real estate, it's like, oh, it looks so cool. People will see like, close signs on my Instagram, whatever, they'll see like a lifestyle, like, oh my God, this looks like the best thing to do, but then you're working 24 seven on a Sunday, I'm working at 12 a.m. To, it's like it's they don't see the hustle and the work that goes behind it, but it's all about having the work ethic, man. If you have that, I think you can dominate anything that you want to do. You can do anything, yeah. Well, that's beautiful. And on this show, we we give people their flowers. So yeah. I don't know. I, I'm not really into real estate. I, I like you yeah. know too. I kind of yeah. learned as much as I could about it, yeah. and we'll get into the details of it, and just kind of giving people advice on home ownership and why that's important. We'll get into Absolutely. that, inshallah. But. Um, I don't know the margins and like how crazy it is, but for me to hear millions of dollars in sales yeah. for the first year and the first two years, yeah. that's amazing, bro. Yeah, that's beautiful, it. mashallah, Allah about it. Um, and for that to happen, it, it, it just it's a testament to your character, right? Appreciate and your work ethic, and giving you your flowers is, is, is an important thing. It's a thing that we do in this show, so congratulations Appreciate on that. Um, another conversation I want to touch on is like you said, this craze about entrepreneurship and then not understanding the work ethic that yeah. goes into it. And then on top of that, um, the conversation that we had about um, you know courses yeah. and, and yeah. kind of the stigma that's now been surrounded by it yeah. um, because of how oversaturated that uh, how, how oversaturated it's becoming yeah. right yeah. Um, so just kind of touch on that like yeah. what, what what do you think first of all are courses a valuable yeah. source is it a valuable thing to take so absolutely I would say yes you can learn more about any industry you can literally take a course and the next six to seven months if you implement that course you can turn to a millionaire i absolutely believe that there are courses out there that do that i've taken courses that have changed my life whether it was just even communication courses there are courses that you can learn so much from and there's so many so much value yeah. in it the issue right now i have with courses is there's a lot of people on tiktok social media as you know that 
are literally just selling a course to make money. Yeah. You know what I mean? They are fronting a lifestyle. It's easy. I can go to a car dealership and you know test drive a Lambo and pretend like it's my yeah. Lambo, and that people, oh my God, he drives a Lambo, so he must be you know killing it in sales or whatever he's doing. There's just a lot of fake people that mm -hmm. are selling courses that again have brought down like the validity of having a course. So again, I just say be really careful as to who's the course you're getting it from mm -hmm. and what course it is. But absolutely, courses are, you can learn so much from courses. You can learn everything you need from one course that you would learn in you know, four years of college or whatever it is. I absolutely believe that, but it's just finding the right person to get that course from. But other than that, yeah, I definitely think you can get a lot of value from is there courses. Is there ways to vet it? Is there a way where I can I know hey this is a good this is a yeah. a trustable source or a trustable course or yeah. it's just like I mean just kind of do a deep dive research on that person you know Google them check them out see if there are some real articles on them this that I mean like if it's like someone real estate I can tell easily if someone's fake or real. I can go on their Zillow profile see how many sales they have home snap this that mm -hmm. and it's like since it's my industry I can easily tell yeah. but I mean certain industries like e-commerce guys like it's so easy to like fake your numbers on your yeah. revenue whatever and your profit margin is so low but it make it seem like you know what I mean? there's ways to make it seem like you're killing when you're not and it's really hard to vet those but again it's just kind of just playing it by the book feeling it out seeing what other people have experiences with that course or if they've taken that course um, and just going from there but yeah you can learn absolutely a lot from courses but honestly even more than courses I would say the best thing for you to do right now if you want to make a lot of money or you want to get into a certain industry is just read read books I didn't touch a single book when I was in high school or in college <laughs> yeah. no seriously so but it wasn't until I started interning with my mentor and this man's reading like three to four books a month mm -hmm. a month and he's a like he's like I'm like why are you still reading you know you're already yeah. you, I, you've already made it <laughs> you're like, up already yeah, yeah. Like, well, like stop reading you know yeah. but he just what, and it's not just like you know entrepreneurial stuff but just like communication books like lifestyle books you learn so much from this and again I'm not saying non-fictional books. I'm not a huge fan of non-fictional books mm -hmm. because, I mean, fictional books just mm -hmm. because, again, you can read Harry Potter and yeah. cool or whatever, but I'm talking about like entrepreneurial books, business books, you know, sales books, communication books. Rich Dad Poor Dad was the first book I ever read, changed my entire perspective on money, cash flow, mm -hmm. all that stuff. Uh, Richest Man in Bob Babylon, um, how to talk to wit, how to talk to people, um, how to win friends and influence. There's just so many books that you can read that will literally just change your life. Mm -hmm. And I feel like reading is probably the number one thing you can do right now if you want to get into a specific industry. Wow, that's beautiful. Um, I think the work ethic is has to be there. Um, I think reading is very important, and like reading gives you perspective. So for me, um, like just acting, right? I, I'm an actor as well. Yeah. Uh, it was it, a very interesting like moment in my life where I'm on my first set and um, I'm acting in my first yeah. movie and I'm reading, I was reading Matthew McConaughey's yeah. uh, autobiography, yeah. Greenlights, and like, you don't even have to be an actor to for that book to like, make sense it and really hit. like yeah. impact you. Yeah. But I think that when you are an actor and he's in there and he's talking about his struggles with being yeah, an actor. That's you relate to you it. You relate to yeah. it so much and it, it almost plays out in your in your real life yeah. and, it, and it, it creates a kind of a flame for whatever passion that you have. Absolutely. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And you, Absolutely. mashallah, have a lot of passion for, for real estate and that yeah. what you do. Yeah. What I would want to know is what is your what is your favorite part about it? And like not even in a generic way but in yeah. a very nuanced, specific way. What's your favorite part about doing this job? Honestly, I, I love real estate and what I do because of the amount of people I connect with. Mm -hmm. Every day it's a different story. I'm waking up today and it's not gonna be anything like yesterday. Mm -hmm. I wake up tomorrow, 
I'm meeting, you know, an accountant that's moving from Florida, wants, you know, a six-bedroom house for his huge family, yeah. this, that. I learn about his story, connect with him. So I would say the relationships is the best part about it. The relationships I make with so many different people, so many different industries. Right now I'm working on a commercial deal uh, where DCG, it's like a halal, do you know what halal guys? Do you guys have halal guys? I love halal guys. So it's like a halal guys? We, we love, halal guys, we love, we love halal guys. So, this guy. so I'm, so I'm more of a DCG guy, which is okay. kind of like halal guys, right? Really, I'm, I'm gonna take you guys there for lunch today. Okay, DCG. It is, it is amazing, and it's same concept, kind of like rice, chicken, hot sauce, white sauce, and it's amazing, so I'm helping him find a new spot in Washington, D.C. We just found a spot on M Street. Mm-hmm. But when you're doing commercial real estate, you learn so much about other businesses. Like I'm yeah. going through his financials for his business, how he operates. Um, so you just learn so much from so many different people. So I think to narrow it down, the relationships is the best part about being mm-hmm. in real estate. Yeah. And you have to be, I would assume, very good at communicating with people and Absolutely. understanding people. Absolutely. If you're going to be if you're gonna be dealing with people. That's years, 90% of your job is just Connecting with people, communicating, because again, if a person is trusting you, honestly, one of their biggest financial decisions in their entire mm-hmm. life, their biggest investment in their home, if it's commercial, commercial, whatever it is, you have to, you know, make them feel comfortable. You have to feel trustworthy. They have to feel that kind of connection with you to where, okay, this guy is really going to help me get the best deal on my home. Yeah. It's going to take me throughout this process from X, from Y to Z, whatever it is, and really take care of me. So. Yeah, you really have to be sociable. You really have to connect with people. Again, I was, I was like I told you, when I first mm-hmm. came here, I was not a social person. Um, I think everything is learned. I read some great sales books that really helped me, being around the right people, my mentor, stuff like that. So, yeah, I definitely think you have to be a sociable person and communicate with people, connect with people. And that's one thing I tell everyone is on my TikToks, wherever it is, mm-hmm. learn how to talk to people. If you can talk to people, I can walk up to a random person on the street today and I can have a 5, 10, 15 minute conversation with them, get their contact information and go out on my day. Mm-hmm. If you can do that, if you can connect with people, if you can talk to people, you can do anything. Literally anything. Yeah. So you're on TikTok as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm assuming you're not doing dance videos. <laughs> no, unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately not. No, it's more just like real estate content. Um, you know, educational videos on how to get into real estate, but then also how to invest in real estate, how to buy your first home, this, that, yeah. just educating mostly. So realistically, how much, how much opportunity has social media brought to you and how important is social media just for you? Yeah, I mean, look, social media is huge. If it wasn't for social media, I wouldn't have learned about real estate, right? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have known what it was or even being intrigued in it. If it wasn't for real estate, I would have never, if social media, I would have never met you because yeah. I would have met Sal. It all comes, yeah. kind of comes back to social media. But I think social media is like back in the day, they used to say, you know, if you have a business or you're a brand or whatever it is, if you don't have a website, you don't really have a business, right? You need a website to run your business and be legitimate, whatever it is. That's what the news, that's what social media is now. 2022, if you don't have a social media account, especially if you're a business, it really is taking so much back from your potential. Mm-hmm. The amount of people that I've met is ridiculous off of TikTok. Like Sal, bunch of huge real estate people in LA, Miami, Seattle. Like I've Some of my closest friends today, I met off of TikTok about two years ago. Um, Aiden, you know, Dylan, Charlie, there's so many guys, Maher, like so many guys have met Dallas, they're all in different areas. We've mm-hmm. like linked up in Miami and LA a couple of times and we've built such a strong relationship. We're going to New York next month. Like TikTok can bring so much connection and so many relationships that it's ridiculous, social media in general. Because again, 
how the hell else would I connect with you in Minnesota mm -hmm. yeah. while I'm out here in DC? And again, yeah, social media is just huge. And I think if you use social media for the right purposes, which is creating content, you know, marketing yourself, your business, mm -hmm. it's huge. Obviously, social media can be really bad. Yeah. It can be there's detrimental. Always, there's yeah. always the two sides. There's always the Absolutely. two sides. Absolutely. It can be draining. But at the same time, I've, you know, social, I get a lot of business from social media. People see my TikToks, my Instagram. They hit me up, hey, Omar, I'm looking to sell my house. I'm looking to yeah. buy a house. So social media can be huge if you use it the right way. Yeah. Man, so for me, if we can get into home ownership yeah. and, and, and all of that, I think just growing up, um, I grew up in Section 8 housing yeah. in, the, in the apartment. And like home ownership was never a thing that my parents thought about. Yeah. And the two, and I really want to touch on this, the two biggest reasons, obviously, one was finances. Yeah. And financially, it, it, first of all, it wasn't ever really made accessible, yeah. right? Yeah. It, especially for black and brown communities. Yeah. Like, home ownership and like the ways to finesse a home and to Absolutely. get a home and Absolutely. dealing with the bank and all of that, like it wasn't made accessible, no, right? No, um, no. And the second biggest thing is interest. Interest. Right, it's a huge, yep. it's a huge thing that like, so, so my parents, Muslim parents like, ah, I don't yeah, want to deal with, yeah, yeah. I'm not dealing with interest, I don't no. want to touch interest and banks deal with interest so I, w I don't want to have anything to do yep. with it so I'll just rent forever. Yep. And that's commendable, right? I, I, right now, I'm 22, like, yep. in my mind, even now, even though I am a little bit more educated, yep. I do have a little bit more access to it, I'm thinking about, yo, how am I gonna get a home yep. where I have to have a mortgage and the mortgage has 15% interest, 10% mm -hmm. interest, mm -hmm. and correct me if I'm wrong, yep. I have no idea yeah, what, yeah, the, what no, the interest yeah, rates yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. Um, what am I gonna do when they ask for a $30,000 down? Mm -hmm. I have $30,000, yep. you know what I mean? So, first of all, how important is home ownership to yeah. a family in America? So, very basic, just starting off, homeownership and just real estate in general, mm -hmm. just to keep this in everyone's mind and perspective, real estate has made the most millionaires in the United States. Real estate is the number one way to grow your wealth, to have generational wealth. This is set in stone, it's well known, real estate is key. Mm -hmm. Homeownership is the start to that. Homeownership is literally the number one way most families can create wealth, generate wealth, pass it down. Ownership is key. Mm -hmm. Like right now, and people make it seem, and again, the accessibility seems so far out, so far-fetched. People think you need 20% down to buy a house. It's not true. Mm -hmm. You can literally go buy a house today with 3% down. So just to give you a quick math, let's say... So, quickly, yeah. where does that 20% misconception come from? It's just a misconception that... It's, just, again, the education piece, that's why I talk, like, we're huge on education, yeah. right? The edu this is where the education piece comes in, and we don't really hear it. We don't mm -hmm. talk about who do we really have yeah. in the real estate community that's going to come out, talk to us about, you know, the different programs mm -hmm. out there, different... I can literally show you how to buy a house with zero dollars out of your pocket. I've had clients... I had literally not even a capping. I had a client about like maybe like two, three months ago. This was with August. No money, zero down. He brought $1,200 to buy a $250,000 house. $1,200. What? Literally $1,200. So, and it's, there's so many. I got so 600. You got 600? Let's buy a house right now. No, I'm, I'm, <laughs> it's actually so doable. Yeah. It's just actually being able to go through the process and having that education piece, that's it. Yeah. If you have the education, so literally like one, you, could, you don't need 20% down to buy a house, that's not true. Mm. You can buy a house with as little as 3% down. 3% down on, let's say, you know, what's the average home in Minnesota? Homes are expensive, bro. Give me like a number. Half a mil? 
half a mil. Okay. Is that is that like no, I don't know, man. I live in the ghetto, man. So, so <laughs> I don't even know what these have. Average, yeah. For half a mil, I go okay. to this guy's neighborhood. I should be like. Let's say you're trying to buy a $500,000 house. People would generally think you need 20% down, which is $100,000. Mm-hmm. Who the hell has $100,000 sitting in their bank account? Nah, nah, nobody. Right? Yeah. It's, it, it makes it seem so far-fetched. And that $100,000, that $100,000, not to cut you off, yep. it's just ca- has to be cash. cash. Yep. Okay. So $100,000 in your bank account, traced money, can't be credit cards or anything like that. Mm. No one really has that. No one has that. But now if I tell you, you know, $500,000 house, you only need 3% down, and it's only $15,000, that seems more doable. Yeah. I think you can save $15,000 over a course of, you know, a year mm-hmm. or so. You know, it's, it's really not that hard. But compared to $100,000, mm-hmm. completely different story. So, again, that's just one thing. You can buy a house as little as 3% down. The only thing is when you put 20% down, the perception and the misconception that comes with having 20% down is when you don't do 20% down, there's something called PMI, private mortgage insurance. So if you do anything less than 20% down, banks require you to have PMI, which is like an additional cost to your monthly payment. Yeah. And people think, oh, my God, I'm not having PMI. No way. It's, impo- it's literally about 30, 40 bucks more to your monthly payment. So would you rather wait to save $100,000, which is probably going to take you forever mm-hmm. if you ever even get there, or go get a house with three, as little as 3% down yeah. and having $30 added to your monthly payment? I'd rather do the $30 monthly payment. It's nothing. It really doesn't affect you. And then once you hit the 20% mark, so mm-hmm. let's say you go through your mortgage, you're paying off, paying off, and you have hit 20% to where you have 20% equity, essentially, yeah. in the property, the PMI goes away, right? So it's... Again, so you paid opinion. off 20% of that $500,000. Exactly. And that's what, so explain what equity is. So equity is basically what you owe on the home minus, minus what it's worth now. Okay. So now let's say my client just bought a house yesterday, right? And we, again, in this market, everyone's go, it's a horrible market to buy. It. It's a perfect market to buy it. When everyone's scared, that's when you should be buying. Mm-hmm. Yes, obviously rates are a little bit higher, but now you can actually get home prices at such a lower value. So there's this house, it's in Bowie, Maryland. It was listed for $450,000. No, $465, yep. We I negotiated the deal down to $400,000. He got the house for $400,000. The bank just did an appraisal yesterday. An appraisal is basically someone that comes and tells you what the house is worth. With, yeah. We did an appraisal on the house that just came back. The house appraised for $452,000. He got the house for 400. So he's basically walking already into $52,000 worth of equity. So let's say, you know, things get better, the market cools down, he could go ahead and on the flip side in like maybe like three, four months, six months or so, sell that house for $452,000 and make $52,000 in about four to five months. Wow. My sister, and this is giving a personal example because I don't want to talk about specific clients, but my sister bought a house about a year, a year ago, mid-pandemic, everyone's like, the housing market's gonna crash, don't buy a house, this, that. I told my sister, look, trust me, you're buying a house. Like, I'm not like, I'm not about to keep letting you keep renting, you guys, you can, you can afford it, you have the credit score, you have everything for it, yeah. you're buying a house. This is mid-pandemic, everyone's freaking out, worst time to buy a house. The world is ending. The world is ending. Made her buy a house. We bought the house for, I think it was around $500,000. Today, her same house, I could sell it for $590,000. In a year, she's made $90,000 worth of equity. Where the hell could you make that kind of money? Doing absolutely build? nothing. Doing absolutely nothing. Just, that's the power of home ownership. The equity you can build, the appreciation that comes with it. Is, again, let's say your property appreciates at least 10% every year. 
even go on the lower end five, that's still a lot of money. And again, if you're keeping these homes for over, you know, five years, three years, you're gonna, anytime you sell your house, I always tell this, you're either gonna most likely mm -hmm. make money off of it. You're gonna make a decent chunk of profit. Cause again, I've had clients that bought houses in, you know, 2020 when I first started around the, the time I started, are selling now two years later and they're walking away with a huge chunk of money. Either that, or you're gonna break even and you're gonna have lived for free for the past three to five years. Very rarely will you see that you lose money on real estate, in real estate. It's very rare. Over the long term, it has been proven time over time, real estate will make you money. If you're trying to sell- Is there, is there a cost to, uh, for someone to come from the bank and do the appraisal? No, so that, that's required. So, if I could just, so his question was, is there a cost for someone to come from the bank and do the appraisal? So no, so when you buy a house, so essentially when you buy a house, you have to go through a lender, gets you the financing for a house, the loan for the house, the bank essentially, to protect themselves, they always do an appraisal. Cause they're not gonna give you money based off of what you wanna pay, yeah. let's say, yeah. Cause they wanna know the house is actually worth what they're lending you. Mm -hmm. So to protect themselves, not even you, they'll send out an appraiser, which is costs $400. Well, they'll send out an appraiser to come appraise the property and tell you what this property is worth. Mm -hmm. Then based off of that, they'll lend you the money. So let's say you offered $500,000 to buy a house and the bank sends on an appraiser and says, hey, this house is only worth $450,000, they're not gonna give you $500,000. They're only gonna give you $450,000. Cause they wanna protect, they, they're not gonna, why would they give you more than what the house yeah. is worth? Cause let's say you stop making payments, they have to go to foreclosure, they take the house back. They wanna be able to sell the house right away and not have to worry about it, right? So the appraisal is $400, but typically the lender and the bank will pay for it. We'll, we'll get it done for you essentially. Uh, but yeah, there's just so many things. You know, you don't need 20% down to buy a house. You can buy it with as little as 3% down. Fastest and best way to create generational wealth. Again, it's long. It's it's not quick money. Obviously, it's a long-term game. But again, as long as you're staying in a house for at least three to five years, which is a typical average timeline that a uh, that a U.S. citizen or American stays in a house, you're probably going to have appreciation, and you're most likely going to sell it with profit in your pockets when you sell it. Wow. So. Again, real estate and home ownership. And again, we don't really get this type of education. I know I didn't. I know my parents. My parents still rent. I'm trying to get them to buy a house by end this year. You know. Yeah, what I mean? you're like, come on, let's yeah, buy a house, I'm like, guys. Yeah, come on, we're literally buying a house. So again, and this is why I'm telling you, like, the education piece of it is so huge. Like, if we learn about credit scores, having a 740 credit score, even a credit score over 700,000, 700, is worth more to me than having 100,000 dollars cash in the bank. Why do you say that? You can do so much with good credit. If you have good credit, you can literally go out and buy a car with zero money down right away. Just prove you right away, here you go, you have good credit, go buy a car. If you have good credit, you can be approved for so many different loan programs, like a conventional loan, the 3% I was talking about, yeah. you have to have a decent credit score for that. I think it's above a 640 or more, um, 700 plus, you're solid. Cold. Like I told you about a little bit about, you know, different programs to where you can literally buy a house with no money down. There's mm -hmm. something called an MMP program in Maryland, and every state has their own different program. I'm yeah. sure Minnesota has one if I went and looked it up. And this is honestly best advice I would tell someone. If you're looking to buy a house, go on Google and search up programs in Minnesota, in whatever state, in D.C., in Maryland, for first-time home and buyers. These are these are state programs? Most, like yeah, most, yep, most, yep, okay. most of them are state programs, MMP loans, uh, D.C., there's like HPAP. And most of this is literally free money for you to go buy a house. They'll give you down payment, cost assistance. Sometimes they'll give you closing cost assistance. There's this loan program, it's actually nationwide, look into it, it's called NACA. It's not my favorite loan, obviously, there's a lot that goes into it, but you can buy a house with no money down, 
no closing costs, and all they require is you to kind of go through the course that they have. Mm -hmm. You're part of like the six months program. They see that you're paying your bills monthly on time, like your car payment, whatever. They have different you know payment yeah. plans that they watch and make sure you're paying it for six months. They want to see that you have what you would pay monthly. Let's say two, let's say you're, you're, the house you want to buy is two thousand dollars a month. They see that you can pay two thousand dollars every month. They see that your bank account, like you're keeping that money, and they will literally fund your entire home buying purchase. What? Down payment, closing costs. Look it up. It's called NACA. N A C A. Free game. Free game. Uh, and not a lot of us know about this. I literally had a client. He was actually Ethiopian. Mm -hmm. Bought a house with $1,200 out of his pocket, something around that range. And the only cost he paid for was the appraisal. I think I told you guys, $400. Yeah. He paid for a home inspection, which was another $500. So we're around like 1100 And then he paid like about $100 more for, um, I forget what it was. Uh, he wanted to do a termite inspection. We did a termite inspection. And that was his entire cost to buy that house. He did a NACA loan. And guess what the purchase price of this house was? The, the how much the yeah, house was how worth? much was the house? The, the overall uh, cost I, of the I house. I would say like 100000 It was an $800,000 house. It was a duplex. $800,000 house? $800,000 house with zero money down of his own. NACA. Nah, I'm not going to lie to you. I, it's, it doesn't sound real, right? That sounds crazy. Yep. $800,000. $800,000. He didn't pay a dime. Didn't pay a dime. He paid a hundred, uh, was it $1,200? $1,200, which and it's yeah, through you can make that door dashing for two days. <laughs> you, you can make I mean? that door dashing. Yo, the door dash commercials be killing me on TikTok, bro. You see that? <laughs> they be like, yeah, yeah. Every, every like third swipe is like, do you want to be a dasher? I'm yeah. like, man, leave me alone. Bro, bro, door dash was the way I made bread, bro. I did too. I, I did Back door Back in the day, bro, oh my, bro. Yeah, even when I was interning, bro, because yeah. I needed to make some money, like have gas money, food money. I used to door The best bro. was when gas plus was cheap. Twos. And, yeah. the, and the plus guys. And the plus this guy's awesome. Oh, my God. Oh, and they have the promotions. The promotions. They're like, do like, raining or something. Yeah, do yeah. like 20 of these, and you get an extra $500 or something. And you be it like, ridiculous, this is, man. This is fire. Man, forget the dinner with Jay-Z. I got dinner with this guy. <laughs> I'm about to give me some uh, some homes. I'm about to go. buy some real estate, Zero man. Zero money down, man. Zero money down. That's insane, bro. So, um... There's also another misconception about age. People are like, oh, I have to have a family and, and be older to buy a home. What do you think about that? Look, I would say the moment you have a decent amount for a down payment and a closing cost, and again, this is typically around maybe around the $10,000 to $15,000 range if you're looking around the $500,000 price point, yeah. look into buying a home right away. I have a friend of mine. I just got him to buy a house. He graduated last year. So, and there's just one thing too, again, not, no one really talks about this, and again, I'm not a loan officer, I'm not a lender, so I'll definitely connect you with the one, mm -hmm. but this is just general game. You can literally use your, let's say you were in college, so typically you need two years of work history in order to get a loan. Mm -hmm. You can use what you majored in, let's say you majored in engineering, now you're an engineer. Your two years in college can be counted as your two years of work history. Oh, and you can wow. buy a house right away after you graduate from college. So there's different ways, but I would say, look, the moment you can purchase a house, do it. Stop renting. If you're paying, let's say right now, what's the average rent in Minnesota? Like a thousand five hundred. Let's say you're okay. Let's say you're paying fifteen hundred dollars in rent. You know, every month you're chilling. You have your two bedroom, whatever it is. Over twelve months, over a year, that's eighteen thousand dollars you've already spent, right? Let's say you're paying $2,000 a month in rent. Over 12 months, that's $24,000 you've already spent. So that money, you're never gonna see it again. You live there, great. There was roof over your head for a short period of time. It's amazing, you rented it. 
but that's it. That money's gone. You're never going to see. You got nothing out of it. Mm -hmm. No type of appreciation, no value. And one thing about rent you got to realize is you're paying someone else's mortgage. You're paying a mortgage already, yeah. which is not yours. It's your landlord's mortgage. Yeah. You know what I mean? I have, let's say I have rental properties. I don't pay my mortgage, my renters pay my yeah, mortgage. Yeah, so because what they do is like they get, they do the whole process, they get the mortgage, and then their, if their payment is like 1200 yep. then they make a rent $2,000. Exactly, then. they're pocketing that 600 That's what landlords are, that's what mortgage, you know what I mean? So you're already paying a mortgage, but you're getting none of the benefits out of it. You're not getting the appreciation, you're not getting the tax benefits. And you don't have the potential of ownership. You don't have ownership. There's you. Get out of renting as soon as you can. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm not biased because I'm a realtor. <laughs> Buy a house as soon as you can. Yeah. So then, what about interest? Yeah, that's that's always the biggest thing, right? So we people have these conversations. You know, I can go to my dad right now and break it down to him, mm -hmm. just like you broke it down to him. And then at the end, be like, Muhammad, that sounds great, but what about interest? What do I do about interest? So again, I have a lot of Muslim clients. Mm -hmm. I'm Muslim. There are banks that go around that. Okay. Guidance, UIF. Um, Write this down, y'all. Guidance, UIF. Guidance, UIF. I forget. There's one more. There should be um, a bank. There should be some. Devon Bank. They, Devon. These are all Islamic banks, right? Okay. UIF, Guidance, Devon Bank, and there's a couple more, but those are the three main ones I know and have used. And you can look it up, too. Like and you, you can, can literally Google UIF yeah. right now. They're like the, one of the biggest Islamic banks, Guidance, and they're interest-free. Like they, get, they don't use interest. Wow. My, my sister just bought a house with uh, UIF. She doesn't use interest. Um, her, her, you know, her husband is really religious too. Like he mm. wouldn't play if anything, you know, yeah. interest was involved. But there, are, there are banks that give you loans without interest. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely still an option. I will say the only thing about Islamic banks is typically they want a little bit of a higher down payment because again they're smaller. Mm -hmm. They're not. They're, they're just. They they require a little bit more money down. But you can buy a house with as little as five percent down when it comes to an Islamic bank. I, um, I think Devon Bank is probably one that still allows you to buy with 3% down or something around that range. Mm -hmm. But typically, if you're using Islamic Bank, you know, trying not to have any interest, you can go the route of you know, um, UIF guidance with 5% down, 10% down, whatever it is, um, and go buy a house without having to deal with interest. Wow. Um, so then, if now the interest is taken care of, in a way, you kind of just help me. I might, I might just fuck around yeah. and buy a house. No, seriously. Uh, but you so should. your credit should be somewhat good. credit yeah so credit credit should be somewhat good you gotta have work history you gotta you know to at least two years of work history if you're w2 1099 again just connect with a lender talk to a lender you know someone from uif someone from guidance and they'll kind of walk you through the process and i say this even if you're not looking to buy a house today or tomorrow go talk to a lender they'll tell you what you need and how to get set up for the next you know, three months when you want to buy, six months when you want to buy, you need this, 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 this. Get your credit score up here, that's how you can do that. Pay off this debt, enroll in this program, whatever it is. Two years of work history, go do this, get a salary job, W2, 1099. Like, there are different things that go into it, tax return. So just go talk to a lender, but typically it's, you know, work history, credit score, and enough funds for like a down payment and closing costs. Awesome, and I think ownership is so important, bro, because if you learn about the way that the way that the Federal Reserve works in this country. Um, we're actually in DC, so it's interesting, but yeah. we're talking about the Federal yeah. Reserve, but the way that the Federal Reserve is, it's just the way that it is, yeah. and the way that you know, the IRS works, and the way that cash is printed in this country, yep. and how useless, like just hard, cold cash is, yeah. 
and that how that doesn't build wealth at all in this country, that just makes it even more important that you own that you own things. Absolutely. And if you are in that in that bracket where now you are making, because like there's people who are, mashallah, that young guys that are graduates are going to be. Um, you know, in software development, that are going to be yep. making six figures. Yep. They're going to be doctors. There's going to be uh, lawyers. All yep. these big things, but you're making a lot of money. But now you just have eighty thousand, a hundred thousand sitting in your bank account. Yep. That money isn't value. It's not doing that money anything. isn't creating wealth for you at all. Um, the reality of the situation is you have to own things Absolutely. for you to have wealth in this you country. You have to buy assets. Mm, you have to buy assets. You have to put your money somewhere. Again, inflation is crazy right now. Your dollar is, is worth less by the day. Mm-hmm. Every day your dollar is sitting, you're getting, it's going down, 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 down in value. One thing that East Africans are good at, we have money. We have a lot of money. Yeah. Like a lot of my dad, like a lot of, like a lot of East Africans. They have money in the bank, bro. They're supporting here, they're supporting back home. They mm-hmm. have money. It's just sitting in the bank that they're too, they don't actually invest. That's yeah. the issue with our people is that we have the money, but we're just keeping it in the bank. We're holding on to it. Mm-hmm. That's not the way to or do it. Or would they invest in like secure things that they yes. know about and that they understand. And yeah. like anybody that does business and everybody that's in business yeah. knows that you have to take calculated risks. Yeah. And honestly, probably I would, I would say the safest investment and best investment you can make is in real estate. Yeah. Safest investment you can make is in real estate. So if you can go buy, you know, obviously starts off with having your own home and mm-hmm. home ownership. And then after that, it goes to having, you know, rental properties. Passive income, you know, having cash flow come in. Let's say you stop working tomorrow. Yeah. What happens? It's tough. You have one or two rental properties that bring you, you know, $600, $400 each. At least you're living off of, you know, $1,500 by doing nothing. Yeah. Just having bought that home. Let's say you're in a tough situation. You have a rental property. You've had it for the past five years. It's appreciated an insane amount. Mm-hmm. You can pull out $100,000 out of it. You can re- cash out refi, get a HELOC loan, or just sell it. Yeah. Owning real estate is literally the best way to create wealth for you and your family and generations to come. So, yeah. so what is what is wholesaling then? Because I, I hear that a lot. Yeah. And I hear that on TikTok. And it's kind of mm-hmm. like a trendy thing now that's happening. Yeah, yeah. So wholesaling, is wholesaling is like a good way and a way to get into real estate. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, all wholesaling is is basically you find a house. That's like, you know, probably not in great condition. You find a seller, let's say, you know, we find a house for $200,000, right? Cold calling, door knocking, whatever. You find It's basically just finding a deal below market value. So let's say I buy a house for $200,000, but that house is really worth like $220,000 or $230,000 or whatever it is. Uh, but to an investor, that's perfect because they can come, flip that house, and sell it for $500,000 or $600,000, whatever it is. So all wholesaling is is finding the deal getting a property under contract, you don't even buy the house. You just go get the property under contract for let's say 200,000. I sell it to the investor for 220,000 and I make that difference of 20K. That's all it is. And then the investor does their own thing. They flip the house, make their money. Everyone wins, everyone's happy. It's all wholesale. It's just finding a deal below market value, selling that contract. You don't buy, you don't do, you literally just sell the contract. That's it. You need a real estate license to do that? You don't need anything for that. Wholesaling, you don't need anything. so what are some misconceptions about wholesaling? Because I know that there's a lot of people on TikTok saying, oh, it's like, yeah. it's crazy. Um, I will say biggest misconception is it's not as easy as it, people make it seem. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not that easy to find a deal under market value, convince a seller to sell it, find the right buyer, investors. It's, it's actually way harder than people make it seem. I, I, all over the wholesaling, wholesaling, wholesaling. 
it's bullshit. Most mm-hmm. most of them are capping. Maybe they've closed one or two deals. There are some legitimate wholesalers, and they're doing this and making a lot of money. And you can make a lot of money doing it, but it's just not as easy as they make it seem. Yeah. You know, you got to find the property under market value. You got to have the right buyers. You have to know how the transaction works. Um, you know, again, some people kind of don't like it and think it's a little unethical because unless you're being upfront with sellers, and some are, some haulers are upfront, they let them know what they're doing. But for the most part, the seller just thinks you're buying the house, but oh. you're just putting it under contract and then selling that contract. And there's ways to get around. You can do like a blind closing at title to where they don't ever see what happened, stuff like that. But sometimes, like, there will be cases that, like, you know, wholesale will have it and not at settlement day when they're signing. The seller will see that the house is being sold for, you know, two twenty, and there's a twenty thousand assignment fee, and it's like two forty. It's like, why am I not getting? Where's that twenty thousand? And then they yeah. find out. It's a whole thing. And I mean, I, mean, I know guys have gone sued and stuff like that. But again, it's legal. It can, you can do it. But it's just not as easy as people make it seem. Yeah. So we have a segment on the show called Let's Get Practical. Um, and we try to give, uh, so like let's say somebody was listening to this the, the entire time, mm-hmm. they're like maybe 30, 40 minutes in, and they're like, yo, like this is interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in, in you know, real, real estate and being a real estate agent. Yeah. Um, we want to make it practical, we want to make it accessible, yeah. and we want to make it very straightforward. So yeah. if they just watch just this, yeah. they know what steps I have to take. Yeah. So. If I was like, you know what, the podcast thing is going great, but mm-hmm. I need to make some money, yep. uh, and I come to you, and I'm like, yo, I'm trying to yep. become a real estate agent, what should I do? So I'm literally going to lay it out for you in every step, and again, when people DM me on Instagram, TikTok, I give them all these steps, mm-hmm. and 99.9% of people won't do it. Yeah. Um, and just, again, to be on the bad side of things, of like being a real estate agent, 90% of real estate agents, actually 80% of real estate agents quit their first year. Most real estate agents don't sell more than three to four homes a year. Most real estate agents don't make over thirty to $40,000 a year. So it's not as glamorous and as money-driven. It's not as crazy as it seems. Yeah. But then again, if you're in that 1%, again, there's a rule in the industry. 20% of the industry does 80% of the business. Whoa. So it's just like all the top dogs, all the top realtors are doing all the business, making a lot of money. Selling and how do they get into that 20%? Hustle, work. I mean, I I would say almost every agent at our office, again, Sam is very picky as to who he lets into the office, yeah. but every agent that we have, I would say sells at least two to three homes a year, a month, sorry, a month. So last month, I had six sales. So sure. that's six homes last month. A lot of the agents are like that. A lot of the agents in my office are selling 30, 20 mm-hmm. million dollars a year. But it's not like that for everybody. It's not like that for both real estate. So that's just me giving the downside of, again, it's not as easy as it seems. Yeah. It's a lot harder, yep. And, like, before you get into just, yeah. like, how to, get, how to get into real estate, I, I appreciate you, like, keeping it real like oh, that yeah. because a lot of people would oversaturate and overexplore and yeah. be like, yeah, you know, it's this and it's that. But the reality situation is if it sounds too good, and I, I, I always tell people yeah. this too, like if it sounds too good to be true, probably it's, it's probably too good yep. to be true. And if it sounds like there's minimal work and a lot of reward, it's not gonna it, that's probably not true Very either. Rare. So for you to lay it out like that and say, listen, this is a hard industry yep. to get into. This is an industry where not everybody is successful all Absolutely. the time. Um, and for you to get like that, you have to have the right connections and you have to work hard. And that's Absolutely. that's commendable. Because like, uh, especially in the world that we live in right now with social yeah. media, this is going to go on, yeah, on yeah, TikTok yeah. and Instagram. And like people, 
people would oversaturate and be like, yeah, you know, it's the greatest job in the world yeah. and it's this and it's that. Yeah. So I, I just, I want to say that I appreciate you doing yeah, that because that's course. some real shit. Yeah, and that's, um, that's, the hype is one thing I don't like exactly. is, is people just hype. Because again, I've had kids literally DM me and I'll, my DM, they'll show you, it's a little ridiculous. Sometimes people will say, you know, I'll have kids DM me and say, you know, I'm dropping out of school to go to, you know, be a real estate agent. Mm -hmm. I've seen you, inspired, I want to drop out and go to school. I tell them absolutely not. You know what I mean? I tell them, do not do that. Because yeah. again, you have to, one, see what the industry is actually like. like go intern at a, at a brokerage first. Yeah. See if you like it, then drop out. See what, like, again, go through the course, get your license, then drop out. Like, there's just so many different things because, again, people just make it seem way too easy, hype it up. Then, again, a lot of these guys are influencers and people actually look up to them and hear mm -hmm. them out. So. I've literally had kids be like, yo, I just dropped out of school, I want to get into real estate. And again, some of them are successful. I've, I've had some amazing guys that I've kind of been part of their journey of yeah. like starting off, and I'm so proud of them that they're killing it. But at the same time, that's not going to happen to a lot of people. Yeah. So just keeping it up, Buck. Um, yeah, real estate is a lot harder than people it make really it seem. Is. But here's the thing. So getting into it. Yep. Getting into real estate and becoming a real estate agent is probably the easiest thing you could ever do. It costs $300 to get a real estate license. Okay. You can do it completely online, completely self-paced. CEshop.com is where you can get your real estate license. It's 60 hours. Um, and once you pass the state and national exam, that's it. You're officially a licensed realtor. Literally $300 course. Anybody can buy that. Pass the exam. 60 hours, yep, 60 hours. Pass the exam, that's it. You're a licensed realtor. Does, does it vary different states or is it just anywhere, anywhere in the country? So he asked, does it vary because of the states or is it? Yeah. yeah. So for the most part, every state maybe will have like a different, maybe one will be 80 hours or one will be, but typically it's basically the same thing. You can go on cshop.com, get your real estate license for whatever state you're in. You can pick Alabama, Texas, Minnesota, mm -hmm. DC, wherever. They might have a little bit of a different requirement, obviously different laws and so different studying and stuff, but you get your real estate license online, cshop.com, completely online, completely self-paced. You can do it at 2 a.m., 1 a.m., 2 p.m., whenever you have time. Completely self-paced, take the exam, state and national, pass that's about 60 bucks, take the not state and national exam. And once you're done with that, you're now officially a licensed realtor, but you can't practice real estate until you join a brokerage. So okay. Keller Williams, Coldwell Banker. So you can't just do it on your own? No, you can't. Okay. You gotta have supervision, you gotta have a broker managing you. Because again, the course will teach you the very basic, they'll teach you like the definition of real estate and mm -hmm. like, you know, how much is a square feet is an acre or whatever, stuff like that. But you won't learn anything about how to actually sell real estate and do real estate. The courses won't teach you jack shit. Mm -hmm. So that's where your brokerage comes in, that's where your mentor comes in, and that's why one of the biggest things I say if you want to become a real estate agent, it's about finding the right brokerage and the right broker slash mentor, yeah. right? Or agent or whatever. And reaching out and networking and telling people, Absolutely. Hey, I want to do this. Absolutely. So you can't officially practice real estate until you join a brokerage. Joining a brokerage, just breaking down the cost for you too. So there's $300 for the course, about $60 for the exam. And then once you join a brokerage, um, there's fees, there's like MLS fees, which is where you can search a property and stuff. Sentry mm -hmm. um, lock, how you can like open a property, stuff like that. Um, and then fees associated with the brokerage and each brokerage is different. So I'd say about, for me at least personally, everything together was about $2,000 to get into real estate and become a real estate agent. It's not bad. That was, yeah, I think roughly around $2,000. That's so including the everything. $300? Yep, yeah, yeah okay. all together. So about $1,500 and then $300, yeah. So about $2,000 total to become a real estate agent. Now, the rest is all about learning from your brokerage. Because mm -hmm. if you don't learn from your brokerage or 
unless at least self-teach yourself, it's going to be really hard. You got to learn how to negotiate, you know, how to find properties for your clients, how to get clients. It's probably the hardest part. Getting clients is probably yeah. the hardest part, right? How to get clients, how to find deals, um, you know, how to negotiate, how to contract. You're de- Being a real estate agent, you're almost practicing law. You're literally, because you're doing contracts all the time, you're negotiating deals, addendums, you know, addendum clause of A, whatever, inspection clause, contract, you're dealing with contracts all the mm-hmm. time, so you actually have to know what's on there, because again, you're getting people to sign this, you have to be able to explain to them, you have to know what you're actually getting into. And you want to get the best deals as and well. And you want to get the best deals, so you want to have someone that knows how to negotiate, has good sales skills, people skills, you have to learn how to talk to people, connect with people, um, it's a people business, that's real estate, it's really just a people business, so... Uh, that's about it. Once once uh, you have your license, you join a brokerage, you can officially go out and start practicing real estate and you're officially a licensed realtor. So that's honestly the gist of it. That's kind of like the price breakdown, about $2,000. You can literally be a realtor in about a month if you wanted to. Awesome. Yeah, um, I don't think I'm ready for that just yet. <laughs> uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to educate myself a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but that is... That, it, it, I like how accessible it is. I think that's dope. I think that's cool. But I also... Um, that's, that's the one thing. The barrier to entry is so low. And yeah. so everyone and their mother has a real estate license. <laughs> everyone. Tom Cruise has a real estate license. Everyone Did you has know a that? real estate Thunder? license. Hmm? Did you know Tom Cruise has his real estate license? Yeah, he told me. He has, multiple, he, has he has a motorcycle license, license helicopter license. He has a budget license. Everyone has a real estate license. I'm convinced the guy's a spy. He's like... There's he's no built way, different. Yeah. yeah, he's a normal... Like, you know, a human yeah, being. Like, yeah, he's built different. Why do you have a real estate license? That's he's crazy. built different. But, but yeah, yeah, so you said everybody just... People the, just barrier, the barrier to entry is so easy. That's yeah. the issue. And there's so many realtors, and that's why a lot of them don't do well. A lot mm-hmm. of them are just there for the hype, and they see what the real world is like. They go, I'm not doing this. And, like, especially this market, it's really hard to be a realtor right now. Mm-hmm. Interest rates are through the roof. You know, everyone's scared about the market. Yeah. Bad, you know, everything. Inflation. So a lot of realtors are going out of business. I have... I know so many people that were in the business that just left. Because again, the thing about real estate too, you gotta realize is you don't make any money unless you make any sales. It's like it's completely commission based. Yeah. So if I don't sell a house this month, I don't eat this month. Cool. So people with families or even people in general, they have bills, all this, and if you don't have any sales, you don't have any money. What percentage do you guys make? So typically you make two and a half to three percent of the sales price. So if you're selling a five hundred thousand dollar house, that's crazy actually. Million dollar house to be in. So. It's really good money, obviously. Yeah. It's a lot of shit ton of work that goes into it. Um, but it's definitely rewarding if you stick with it, if you're in there to actually help people for the business of putting people in homes, finding them whatever their real estate needs are. The money the money definitely comes and the money's definitely good. Have you ever watched um, The Big Short? Yeah, I did. It's yeah. a great movie to watch, honestly. Yeah. If you want to get an idea of like, you know, real estate, inflation, market. 2008, all that stuff. Yeah, the whole market crash yeah. and subprime. What's the sub- subprime loans? Yeah. Subprime loans. That's one thing I don't talk about is like the difference between what happened in 2008 and what's happening now, and why I don't think there's going to be a crash. And that's why a lot of real estate professionals don't think there's going to be a crash. Is back in 2008, the reason was subprime loans. Mm-hmm. Basically, these lenders were giving a loan to everyone and their mother. So that they can, so that they can make that yeah, that profit, that exactly. their percentage. Okay. If you had a pulse, you could get a loan back in the day. Yeah. So everyone got a loan. And the prices obviously came crashing down. People couldn't afford it. They had to go to foreclosure, short sales, all that. That's what happened. Now, it's so hard to get a loan. You have to qualify that a lot. No one, we're not going to have a loan market yeah. the way it was. Yeah. So the market crash didn't, the market crash didn't happen because... <coughs> Sorry. 
You could. Market crash didn't happen because of something that was happening in the market, or was it a mix of like the market was bad and then it was getting oversaturated with these terrible loans? Jesus Christ, you know what I'm saying? <coughs> Sorry. You good. Brother's dying over here. Oh. He's just spitting so much facts that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I was mostly the subprime one. So obviously, if there was market crash happened, home prices came shooting down. But again, a lot of people had three to four mortgages on their home. You know what I mean? How do you get more than one mortgage? On <coughs> so, I, like, yeah, I can like, very surface level. Um, you can get basically there's different types of. So a lot of people were one. Actually, it's not even that's too lendery stuff. I can't explain it well enough for me to like. That's fine. No, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Which is, I think, <laughs> what it makes sense is like the way I seen it from the movies. Like, you have a mortgage here, and then that mortgage itself gets given to someone else, and then now you have so a second it's sold, mortgage. Yeah, so it's, it's sold. sold. Yeah, that's so, for the. Yeah, so they're brokers essentially. Like, the lenders are brokers. You want to make their money. They sell the. They sell the loan to Wells yeah. Fargo. There's like eight. There's different types of levels to the loan. Yeah. Um, so they'll still be, oh, they'll, they'll bundle it as like a, whatever, A-class loan or whatever. Yeah. So there's, yeah, there's, there's all yeah. these technicalities yeah, and stuff like that, but we don't have to, yeah, I don't want to now, yeah, now we, we're, I think because that <laughs> happened, the, the, the industry and these banks and all that now have all these vetting systems and ways exactly. to, to prevent that. It's so, so that's good. It's so harder to get into a home now. It's not that yeah. Easy. But it's, it, uh, if you haven't watched that, I think it's a good movie. Steve Carell, Steve Carell is in it. He just does a great job of, of, um. Of playing that character and it's based off of like a I don't know if they were a brokerage or if they were I don't know what they were it was a group of guys that f found out and yeah. realized the yeah. market's gonna crash and yeah. then they ended up betting against the market it's kind of like an investment firm yeah it's an investment firm and they just felt so terrible because they're like yo like there's nothing we can do yeah. about it and all these people are gonna lose their homes yeah. and people are gonna lose their jobs and yeah. they're gonna be making a shit ton of money yeah. because they bet against the market but yeah. um, that was that was a crazy time so um Man, I think we, I have like a million questions and we have so much stuff, other yeah. stuff that we can talk about, but um, we already learned so much as well from how to stay away from interest to, you know, how, what you need to become a realtor, what you need to own a home, how important homeownership yeah. is, all those different things. And well, I, mashallah, you're doing your thing and you're going to be, inshallah, successful and continue to be prosperous in this industry. And um, so with our show, the way that we kind of have it set up is like we use it in a way to kind of hold ourselves accountable and hold our guests accountable. So, um, you know, coming up in the following months, we're going to have a lot of guests that we had last year back on the show. Okay. Um, and at the end of every episode, we kind of asked them, yo, what are your goals for the next two years, next three years, next five years? Yeah. An example is we had a guy on our show, um, one of his goals um, for the next five years, he actually accomplished it a few months after, wow. you feel what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. After he said it on the show, he was like, yo, I want to do this, this, and that, the third. And then I, I just met up with him, we hung out, and like, they actually did it, they got it done. Yeah. And he thought it was going to take three, four years, yeah. you know what I mean? And like, that's how life works, and yeah. um, you know, Allah, Allah provides as well, so. Um, but yeah, so again, Allah, amazing time having yeah. you on the show and, 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 and thank you for coming on um, so before we wrap and end what are some things that you want to you want to do what are some goals that you have long term and short term so I would say for me like life switched around so many different times mm -hmm. and I thought I would do this and that so I will say for the next at least two to three years I want to be 
the real estate source for anybody in the DMV, Florida, um, and anywhere I can help. Yeah. And just be the real, I want to dominate the residential real estate market. I want to be the number one realtor in the DMV area. 50 million in sales is probably, I'd say, the goal maybe in the next two to three years. Um, and just help as many people as they possibly can. I definitely want to get a little bit more into commercial. I already do commercial, but focus a little bit more on commercial sales, so building, stuff like that. Um, and then my long-term goal, at least in the next five years or so, is to get into development. Uh, it's one thing my mentor does, Sam McCrashey. He's a developer, so he's building up apartments, condos, all this stuff. Uh, but what he does, something I really admire, is he does a lot of affordable housing, so Section 8 housing, stuff like that. So you know, you're building these amazing apartments and, and communities, but you're keeping it in the community. Mm -hmm. you know? You're making it affordable to them. It's government paid. Um, so at the same time, we're providing this amazing community, this amazing apartment, this amazing you know product to the community, and they get to stay in their community. And you know, it's it's not me you know coming in and building you know yeah. our economy. Gentrification, basically. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, I'm still making a lot of money mm -hmm. because the government's paying me every month. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you know, so it's a win-win for everyone. Yeah. So I really want to get to development, change up the community. I'm originally from Baltimore, like I told you. Yeah. So go back to Baltimore, hopefully do some development deals down there. Uh, those are probably the goals for the next you know, two to five years, inshallah. Inshallah. And we hope that, you know, every time that we have someone on the show, they become a part of the GoSoft family. And, you know, we want to have you um, back, inshallah, in a year's time. And, you know, thank you so much for coming on the show.